0: I'm always excited to chat to people for Dumpy Little Unicorn, but today I'm equally terrified as today's guest is John Robertson, author <sighs> of <laughs> author of The Little Town of Maraville and creator of The Dark Room. John, welcome to Dumpy Little Unicorn.
1: Oh, what a joy. Thank you.
0: So a lot of my friends are quite jealous of this because uh, many of us have seen Dark Room multiple, multiple times. And I do have some questions about that. But first, I wanted to ask you about the book, Uh, The Little Town of Maryville, and what's it about?
1: Well, um, the Little Town of Maryville is about a young girl by the name of Aubrey's sister and her brother Aubrey, as they attempt to um, escape their appalling father. Um, and, and they manage it pretty swiftly. But then um, once you've escaped him, you have to deal with the rest of the world. And the rest of the world, in this case, is a crazy town that you can't escape because it's surrounded by mist and the mist is filled, of ra- filled with razors that uh, cuts up ducks. And that's what people eat in the town of Maryville. Okay. Of <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, it's... It's one of those things that I was um, commissioned to write a story for children, and I wrote the story for children that I would absolutely have wanted to read.
0: Okay. And there it is. (laughs) I was going to say, writing for children isn't easy. Um, So I was going to ask you what inspired you, but I'm guessing it was the commission that
1: inspired you to write for children. Well, oh, well, I mean, we didn't, we didn't get, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, w- I would have loved to have said that it was just money. Um, I would have loved to have said that somebody, you know, looked at the person who wears leather and screams at people for money and went, oh no, that's <laughs> that's a commercial kids' book. Obviously, that'll that'll sell immediately. Um, uh, no, it was a, it was just, it was the thrill of having um Gary Panton, who was an editor for a Puffin, um, mm-hmm. say to me that if I ever had any ideas, then I could, you know talk to him. And uh, that was a real joy. And then when I when I sat down to have an idea, it just so happened that I had an idea. And um, I was very close to two people at the time who um, had had real trouble with their fathers, uh, two women. And um, we spoke at length about that. And I, I sort of tried to translate that experience as much as I could into what was happening with Aubrey's sister. And it came out for them as a really authentic cathartic document so that was nice oh that's fantastic yeah thank you and then um yeah people i've spoken to um adults get a lot out of it and it seems to be pretty liberating for children because i mean i certainly remember when i was a boy even though my father was nothing but a gent um you know we all knew the people who had really brutal unpleasant fathers even if we didn't know the extent of what they did you know, if we yeah, if we did if, yeah. we did if we didn't know about verbal violence or physical, you know, there, there was always let's put it this way: there was always a divorced father in a singlet who had recently bought a roadster, uh, right? Who who would pull up, who would pull up to pick up his kids on the weekend, and didn't seem particularly pleased by this. Yeah. So yeah, and was always moderately terrifying. So there we are.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So this is a fun, happy, freewheeling. Well, it is. I mean, it's it's all of those things. It's fun. It's happy. It's freewheeling. It's very, very, very funny. But underneath all of that, even if you even if you just go in for the comedy, this is all of the um, the great darkness and humanity that inspired it. And then you uh, you know you're writing for children, so you express it by um, creating a fantastical town where people fish for noses in the gutters.
0: Wow, that just sounds r- amazing. But also, uh, I guess. It's it's kind of in that tradition of of children really enjoying the grotesque. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, so, did you read a lot of Roald Dahl growing up? I did.
1: Oh well, it was obligatory. It was <laughs> I obligatory think so. Yeah. To read Roald Dahl. I mean, it was. Um, you could you could read Roald Dahl or you could read um Dick King Smith, who yes. was equally um yeah, equally uh, pushed on us. And um, I detested Dick King Smith. I mean, he's a you know he's a very very good functional author certainly lots of things happen and I would not uh turn my nose at any of the uh, commercial success afforded to babe um but no Roald Dahl of the two of them absolutely was the um was the better you know it was much more fun to read and um Spike Milligan as well yes yeah especially since like I mean the pure expression and violence of the goon show is terrific to read and then um if maybe a little early uh, you get a hold of one of his war memoirs and discover that it's quite transparently the same man, but um, now he swears a great deal. Yes. That's, a, that's fun too.
0: And I guess, I mean, I, I, I think sort of Spike Mulligan and Roald Dahl have that sort of in common because I think, well, they were both in the war and mm. perhaps that's just sort of their way of of dealing with it, writing yes. the, the bizarre and the odd. Which well is... I wonder
1: what my bloody excuse is then because <laughs> I've been well I've, I've been going through that a little bit lately because I was saying to um saying to a friend the other day um that I recognized some of my recent behavior from um uh just just breakdowns that um Spike Milligan and Tom Baker, the actor, had been mm-hmm. through. And there was that moment of going, Well, hold on a moment, Spike Milligan was blown up <laughs> in, in the Second World War. Yeah. And um, and Tom Baker seems to be, at, at best, a hugely bipolar gentleman.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, so why decades later at a completely different height, having been nowhere near an explosive, I should think that what I'm going through is even remotely similar. Um, I'm just a bit like, well, what's my excuse there? I wonder where has this come from? What was my bomb? You know? But yeah,
0: you that's that's interesting because I turned 40 this year and – had a bit of a, a thing where I I just kind of like imploded so mm-hmm. it was I just realized it was like this this classic midlife crisis thing that happened you turn 40 and then you go a bit nuts Yes. yeah and I think that there's that there's something about modern life which is sort of I think possibly the speed that it goes at and possibly the the sort of I think just the cost of of living in and I don't mean sort of the monetary cost. I mean sort of like the physical cost, the demands that are placed upon everybody. Yeah. It, it does get that bit harder, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a massive trauma to happen. There there can be all sorts of, mm. like lots of small traumas that can happen yes. instead, and, and it, then it they kind just of they build up. up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I look. I've got a. I've got a lot of empathy for you. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh my
0: yeah so okay let's let's sort of um go sort of back back to the the children's literature which Mm. um is always yes away from the breakdown and back to the children's literature yeah (laughs) so have you got any other writing projects that you're working on at the moment uh not
1: not really i mean um uh, one of the things that i've realized over the years is i um seem to be hell-bent on living my life on my own terms and um And what that means is, um, I mean, uh, you know, I I will do work that I'm obliged to do, but I've put together um, three sample chapters and the outline for the sequel to Maraville. And uh, that's, you know, that's in negotiation, so that's fun. And uh, aside from that, I mean, I'm just, I'm on tour. um, And at the moment, I mean, well, well, let's be fair. (laughs) At the moment, I'm (laughs) concentrating on things like getting out of bed
0: Right. Okay. Shaving, yeah. You know. Think yeah. things
1: like that. I mean one of the um one of the upsides about being a um a touring comedian and especially doing your own show is that you, the lifestyle is is quite often well you could do a huge amount of things during the day. Yeah. But at at the base level the professional task that you're required to do is show up at this particular time on a particular day. And for the one to two hours that you do it, provide the service that you provide, um, which can occasionally result in just going, "All right, well, I'm just going to do that." And what did you do for the rest of the week? W- what what rest of the week? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, which can be both. Um, well, if you're in if you're in a position where the uh, I mean, you can you can do that both very very happily. You know, like you can yeah. have a very, very happy home life when you do that. But if, if your brain goes to shit, then, you know, well, let, let's put it this way. I At one point, I realized about two weeks ago that I was living for a, one particular weekend and I had no idea what I would do the second that weekend was over. Yeah. And as it turned out, I went home and I haven't been paid for it yet. So, <laughs> you know, oh. <laughs> I'm, pro- I'm probably waiting for the money and then
0: then i'll declare that
1: then i'll declare that weekend over and then i'll but yeah this this is also just me learning to get over the habit of um pinning my hopes on one thing which was something i didn't think i i did anymore but um it seems to have come back (laughs) Uh, roaring from the past
0: okay things is like oh well i'll do this thing and it'll be amazing and then what happens next and it's like yeah yeah it's yeah it's, it's it's sort of Sometimes it's, it's a useful way of doing things, but I guess if it's, it depends on the size of the thing and hmm. how much is invested in it, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, th- the thing was I never, um, I never asked what was coming next. I would just place a great deal of value in what was arriving. Um, right. Presuming that the rest of my life was pretty comfortable. Like It, it actually takes a, a degree of comfort to become upset about your work. When, when your work is your work and is yeah. entirely driven by you, you know, it actually takes, um, you have to, you have to, let, let's put it this way, the bigger the front, the bigger the back.
0: Right, and that, yeah. Yeah.
1: And then if, if say, well, it, you know, if, if things that actually matter in your life disintegrate, then suddenly, curiously, I've regained my, my old ability to show up to work and just do it. Like yeah. I don't care you know and i do care very much but it doesn't matter as much you know it doesn't matter as much as things like maybe eating breakfast or human contact or things like that sure yeah it's um yeah it's it's one it's one of those things i i mean this this might if if no if people who are listening to this haven't gone through similar it might sound deeply alien i mean it certainly did to me mm-hmm. i've got i've got friends who would say things to me like well john now's the Now's the time to appreciate things like getting up early in the morning. It's so that moment again, well, I've never enjoyed that for any no. reason. Unless <laughs> I was unless I hadn't gone to sleep or I was waking up for sex or a really good breakfast. You know, like the, yeah. what what the hell are you talking about? You know. But no, I woke up this morning and went, My God, the sun's up. This is great. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... So that's a hell of a thing. It's like, yeah, if you take um if you take a bit of a knock and then you have to sort of rebuild yourself, and yeah. um, that's that's where I'm at, which is fascinating to me because I mean I've literally everything I do is just me, you know. It's like it's and now John will do the thing that John wanted to do, you know. Yeah, and and the frustration is sometimes not doing that, um, but I found a way, and then instead it it just becomes like okay well that's that's work now and then the the joyous things like my god a skerrick of vitamin d you know how tremendous i went i went down the bakery and i love going to the bakery but i didn't have to have a really long conversation on the way there yeah oh
0: yeah that's I, i can completely relate to that because sometimes it's like okay i've I've got to get out of the door and you just sort of kind of have to, I've got to the point where I'm like, well, I'm going to to talk myself through this just to do it. But that's, yeah, that's just part of of what happens sometimes. And Yeah,
1: I'm straight up. I mean, the everything, like I'm in this, um, I hate, I hate, I hate busting this out, but um, it was the thing that Bob Dylan did after his car accident. No, motorbike accident. Where um, he said that he had to learn to do consciously what he used to do unconsciously, yeah. And he was talking about his art, um, but and that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm in this I'm in this position where it's like I mean I didn't realize I've said this to people, but I didn't realize I didn't leave the house for three and a half years except to go to work and the occasional social function. Like I had yeah. no idea. Like I mean I've lived in London six years. I didn't know I could just walk into the middle of town. <laughs> and that and that there'd just be people I knew there. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, I, I had no idea. It's that moment where I'm like, hang on a minute, I've actually met hundreds of people, and I've been seen by thousands of people, which means I can, you know, like, it, it, not every bar, very very far from every bar, mm-hmm. but I can go to particular events. Like I could walk into a board game cafe or something. Yeah, you know, and somebody might go, oh, John. Like, oh, what? I had no idea, you know I like in my mind, I don't know anybody here, even though I've lived here six years i only yeah. know I only know people in perth western australia you know it's it's yeah. astonishing, it's absolutely astonishing to me what in um what in trauma your self-image becomes, and mm-hmm. then what reality is, you know like it's just one of those things, you know, yeah. but i I made a bunch of choices like i pre- I preferred to stay at home you know, and I preferred to only go out to work and all of that. And then the miracle of it is that, thank God, and on those brief excursions, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had an audience and I met some peers who were friends, you know. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Really um, good.
0: Uh, but that's one of the things. I mean, I've I've been to Darkroom uh, an <clears throat> amount of times now. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so have I.
0: <laughs> but it's, I mean, as a spectator, it's, fantastic uh and I'm kind of like really split down the middle about ever by ever having like a go because it's 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 like I, I I honestly don't know if I could handle having like a room full of people screaming at me the way that that happens in that room and it's <laughs> yes. I, you, the, you kind of run this really sort of like tight line between sort of like abusing people and actually being and sort of like Keeping, so I don't think it's ever veers into anything like horrific, but it's it it's that sort of like a, there is a very sort of like knife edge or, well, on it could tip into something ugly really, but you always manage it, and that's just sort of re- really fascinating to watch. Oh, thank
1: you. Um, that <laughs> that it's that's that's very kind of you to say because that took a bit of practice, and yeah. <laughs> maybe there were some corpses. <laughs> um yeah i uh, because the character used to um it, it's taken years for the darkroom character to enjoy his work um right. he didn't used to uh he was just angry and um yeah and uh, i had a tech the first time we did it in um melbourne that no, was the second time actually um who the character attacked him and with tears in his eyes, he asked me if maybe at next week's performance the character could be a bit less mean. And okay. I, I hadn't realised really what it was I'd done. And I, I mean, I apologised to him. But um, yeah, it was it was just because the you know the character felt like well, he, he was just meant to be an evil video game person. Yeah. You know, it was only it was only when we'd um. Well, actually, by that point, he was probably more of a beleaguered video game person. He was a video game boss who was by this point quite angry that, yeah. you know, he had to keep dealing with people. And now now he loves it. Now he's very happy to see. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he, he's you know, he's it's it's one it's one of those things. It, it's almost remarkably like when I was younger, I was really attracted to what I thought were angry comedians, but I never really watched any stand up. So I thought. That you know, like somebody would tell me about Bill Hicks, and then all that you'd hear would be the clip of him screaming at somebody, and it never occurred to you that he actually smiled or had any any degree of charm to him. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so you know, so let's put it this way: the early the early stages of the show were curiously charmless. Um, right. You know, it was very much more like people sitting there going, "Jesus, fuck, oh no!" <laughs> you know, like there's a game really trying to escape from this transparently quite neurotic man. Um, but yeah, we, we got, we got through it and now it's a party and that's the thing. I, I think of myself as somebody who hosts a party because I yeah. learned how, to, I learned how to let people in, which is nice. And it's, yeah. that sounds like such a stupid thing to say, you well, know, but, but it's true though.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, I mean, I was at, uh, de- uh dark Darkroom Till You Die at Games Expo <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, it is. It's it's you. You have so many f- sort of like fans, and there was a woman there dressed as you, oh. who had the most amazing cosplay <laughs> I'd ever seen. <laughs> and it's it's like people really love that character. Um, mm. um, right. I think I think there's sort of there's something about that that where you sort of give people permission to sort of like air their frustrations with yes. like stupid decisions and that's that's really freeing for the audience and it's, <laughs> it's almost a sort of cult.
1: <laughs> yes. Thank you. It, well no that's that's really kind. I mean yeah on, on some level it's catharsis for everybody. Yeah. I, I like doing that. I mean I I'd rather I'd rather do that, for instance, than like set up something like the um, what is it? It's the Nor. I think there's the Norwegian Complaints Choir, who are a group of about twenty Norwegian women who sing songs about how appalling it is to live in Norway. Okay. And but I mean, the, but that's how they get it out, and it's things like the sun. Go, you know, we don't see the sun for six months. You know, thing, things like that, and that's how they get it out. But I, yeah, I just like um as the years have gone on since about 2012 and i started stand up in 2003 so it took a while to mm-hmm. get to this i've started just to really enjoy playing with people like playing with people for you know in in every sense is is good yeah. and all and all of the um all of the i mean you know i was a pretty pathetic theatre student but um you know the the bits that i've gleaned from the various things i've done you know like concepts of status and playing with you know and just yeah. messing around and the you know the time to be authoritative the time to be submissive the time to push the su- the time to pull the time to cajole the time to play getting getting that sense of who's actually going to be good to play with and who's going to be truly appalling and who needs to be um who needs to be whacked on the head pretty swiftly and who's yeah. actually so terrible you can't even acknowledge them yeah right like that, that's, all, that's all become just like a, a whole thing that, you know, is always living and bubbling through me when yeah. I play. And, um, yeah, and then that becomes a whole bunch of shit that we can play with as well. And, and that's, that's really nice. Like when, you, when I go to see stand-up and somebody comes out and they tell a joke and it lands and they tell the joke again and, you know, a different joke and it lands, I really respect that as a form. Uh, but I don't find that exhilarating, um, to do, you know, Mm I, I find it a lot more exhilarating to do, to turn up and go, right, everybody, you look at me and we're going to do this. And then going through and just being, you know, just providing an absolute authority, (laughs) you know, but part of the reason, like, I mean, it is a cult, it's a delightful, Mm. it's delightful cult, but it's a cult entertainment, um, and part of the um part of the reason for this is because i would be a cult leader if i could be bothered uh living with people
0: right <laughs> you know but that's that's
1: the thing it, it well also also unfortunately i am afflicted by morality mm-hmm. um so i have like i have an absolute um loathing for cults of, of all of all stripes any anything that sets itself up and gathers a group of people together and there's always money involved, right? Yeah. And one person or a couple of people know a particular doctrine and or practice and whatever it is, right, and then off the back of that, they then go, well, this is great life advice, I'm doing this, you know, and, and you should do this too. And if you do that as a kind of um, repeated spiritual or quasi-educational thing, and it doesn't matter what field this is in, you know, like there are there are voca there's vocational training that's a cult, you know all of this, and then you see those people and you go well hang on a minute this is a money making enterprise being run by a deeply manipulative person who has the interest in controlling people to this degree, you know yeah it, it, it's one of those things like I'm interested in providing stimulus to people for about an hour, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah now about one or two hours you know. And I'm I'm interested in that and I'm interested in playing and I'm interested in the fun that people find in things, you know, but I'm I'm never gonna be like, all right, everybody, so we're gonna have a retreat, you know, or <laughs> no. okie dokie, come to the class once a week and it'll be this, you know? Yeah. I don't I don't trust that shit. That really that's been a thing since I was a boy that I really dislike. Mm. <laughs> You know, and it—I mean, somebody might want to go. Oh, yeah, but hold on a moment. His father was an Anglican priest. This is some kind of rejection of that. It's like, no, my father was an Anglican priest. But my God, once that service was over, you know, I mean, he was still an Anglican priest. But we went home. Yeah. You know, we weren't—we weren't sitting in the commune. You know, we—we we were never—we were never obliged to take the parishioners out for drinks or something. You know. No.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: And that's it. And when he. You know, he provided advice because it was his job, but it was a job that he was really trained to do through many, many years of actual, you know, actual training, lots of university, constant Mm -hmm. oversight by other people, you know, things like that. Oversight's a great word, by the way. Oh, it
0: it is, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a a thing that's usually missing in a cult. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you'll you'll be definitely looked over and there'll be overseers, but there's no... There's no governing authority outside of that cult. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's the nice thing, at least, about the Anglican Church. There's enough disparity in the Anglican Church that somebody can go and do something and somebody else will go, hey, are you aware that you're doing that wrong? Yes.
0: You know, or, or oh. just, just disagreeing with them. Then Yeah, just, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah, things like Reaching that.
0: Reaching a consensus.
1: Yeah, you know, on and on and on and on. And that's nice. And plus, of course, I mean, the other, the other nice thing about the Anglicans is, to be fair, they don't really care. You know, it's it's much more just sort of like, oh, just just be nice to each other, would you? Yeah, go on. and just. Oh. And and any, it's, it's like any time I see a right wing Anglican, it's that moment of go. Do you have any idea how embarrassing you are? <laughs> My God, it's fascinating. You know, the Anglicans. Yeah. It's it, get ready, folks. It's every other. It's every other bloody Christian doctrine with less. You know. It,
0: yeah. Um, perhaps a few more jumble sales yeah,
1: yeah ju- jumble sales tea <laughs> and, and a cup of tea yeah
0: exactly that's it
1: exactly there's a reason that Anglican vicars run to fat pretty swiftly <laughs> fat jolly bearded men yes and women and women and I mean absolutely. I, well I should I mean I god I should absolutely move away from that stereotype I was there at the um Actually, hold on a minute. Yes, no, I was there at the commissioning of the first I want to say female deacon or bishop, right. in the Australian Anglican Church, and I would, and my father trained the first Australian female Anglican priest.
0: Oh there. fantastic. Yeah, a
1: bit of fun. He yeah. there's a lovely old news clip of him, which I've got on a VHS somewhere, where you can I mean, you can tell he loved his job. Loved his job. And he, he knew the bloody cameras were in, because I'll tell you something, that man never thumped a pulpit in his life. <laughs> and he did that day. Cameras were, this isn't just time, it's justice. It's bloody amazing.
0: Never oh, fantastic.
1: More, never felt more like his son.
0: Cool. So um, before we move on to the questions that I ask everybody on my podcast, yes. um, I was going to say, uh, would you like to give us a short reading from the town of Maraville?
1: Oh sure, and and why why don't I I'll read you a bit that um I'll read you a bit I haven't read anybody yet.
0: Oh, that would uh, be lovely. Yeah,
1: because I've definitely I've read the prologue for people and I've read chapters one and two. Why don't I why don't I read you uh, a little bit of chapter three? Perfect. Re- uh, chapter three. Wreckers. Wake up, brother Howard! screeched the voice that belonged to the man who belonged to the foot that belonged to the boot that had kicked down the door. "'Now is the team for violence.' The man was huge. The door was splinters. The man thought violence. The door thought nothing. It was a door. Or it had been a door. Now it was pulp. And pulp doesn't think much, which is why you should always try to avoid getting kicked in the head. In one hand, the man carried two large bloodstained boots. His voice, however, carried news, along with an accent of variable origin and quality. "'I know you're here, Brother Howard.' I found your fight boots outside. Fight boots. They're boots for fighting. Aubrey and Aubrey's sister saw the man, then their father's shoes, then contemplated this idea. They were, once again, about to die. It seemed that when the grinders had minced Howard Howard, their pram had, perhaps sensibly, spat out his footwear. He'd been a rotten person, but his shoes were the rottenest part of him, his six fingers could brand you with his name, but his boots were so dirty that, if he kicked you, fungus would grow in your skull. Luckily for the children, their visitor was about 25% moron. Unluckily, the other 75% was a professional murderer. There you go.
0: That's fantastic. Oh, that... I'm trying not to laugh too loudly while you were reading that, That's great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh... You're very good at this writing thing. That was Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Thank just you. the yeah, the syntax in that and the way it all just fits together just yeah, really playful and lovely. Um yeah, well, thank and Thank you very much. A a friend of mine um his son has read this book recently and they they loved it. So I thought I would just oh, put that in there as well.
1: Excellent. Oh, that makes me really happy. Um it it really yeah, the fact, the fact that children like it, just, I mean, I mean, it's meant for children, but yeah. it, the fact that they do really pleases me, because I, I mean, you know, I remember so much of what I was obliged to read as a child, and I hated it. You know, mm-hmm. I loved, I loved, I loved everything that I sought out, or that my grandparents gave me, or my mother recommended. You know, they, these were all things that were, you know, to taste and yeah. and imaginative and fun. And then everything that we were obliged to read for school i mean in the in, in the early stages um were yeah tended to be uh, unless it was Roald Dahl tended to yeah. be pretty naff Yes. You know? yeah i i remember uh, oh god i have a I have a deep memory of um we had to read and i i've I've sort of had a go at this guy on another podcast, but I'll do it again because he's got <laughs> the money he doesn't he doesn't care. Um, the Australian author John Marsden uh, was absolutely bloody obligatory reading when I right. was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I wouldn't look if I was obligatory reading and people were messaging me, going, Oh, yeah, you know, in about 10 years, going, Yeah, I had to read you when I was nine. Now I'm 19. I just want to let you know that, you know, this whimsical wordplay and blood really bothered me. You know, like I'd, I'd take it, I'd, yeah. I'd understand. And he yeah. can. He can bloody take it on the chin because he did this thing where he would he would write what he assumed was this kind of generic Australian young adult experience. Okay. And it just bothered the shit out of me in, intensely as a child. Just, <laughs> it, 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 just, it just really did because um, it was just one of these things where it was like, okay, we weren't everything that I liked, I was told, was... of little value, and instead we have suddenly stuck with John Marsden who would be like four generic Australian teenagers suddenly find themselves in an Australia that's at war against some foreign people. And it's just like, well, this is reductive as fuck. Mm-hmm. This is no fun. I don't like any of these four children. I don't particularly like living in Australia because people who are a bit like these four children keep kicking the crap out of me. You know, like yeah, there's no there's no escape there. And I remember, I, in one year, in one year, I had to um, I had to read yeah, John Marsden's Tomorrow When the War Began, a book that was ostensibly about a young inner city young man growing up with depression when my father had just killed himself, right from depression, right. And then when I finished those two books faster than the English teacher wanted me to, Mm -hmm. she gave me a copy of Lord of the Flies to read, which was perfect because, curiously enough, it was another book about kids who were a bit odd getting the crap kicked out of them by other kids. It was amazing. So off the back of that, it's a miracle I read anything. I mean,
0: that's some tone-deaf book recommending, isn't it? Oh,
1: oh, straight up. (laughs) But she was. She was a fool. I, I remember her very well. Um, yeah, the only English teacher I've ever I've, I've never got on with ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very strange. Um, but yeah all of oof, all of that. Um, yeah, so now I'm glad that this is this is the thing, right I, I didn't write this for my idea of like this is what kids are or like kids of a particular culture. yeah, you know I wrote it because I went well, this is the experience that some people I know have had when they were kids with their father and this is the th- stuff I like and I'm going to fill it with people I like, you know, like my grandparents are in there, yeah, you know, like um, and my wife's in there and an old friend of mine is in there and all sorts of things have, have has gone in there and I'm like, all right, these are good things in my life, I think you'll like it, you know. Oh, yeah. i'm not I'm not aiming at a demographic. I'm not saying that I'm speaking for you know a wadge of population or what I think kids like. I'm like, well, I would have liked this as a kid. So I've written this, and here we go. And then I'm just like, when people go that they like it, I'm you know, I'm like, oh, that's fantastic, you know, and that doesn't mean that the child's a bit like me. It just means that they liked it. And I'm like, well, that's lovely. yeah. You
0: know? and i'm I'm kind of with you because i, I... Funnily enough, I tend to sort of read mainly sort of like fantasy, science fiction. I was the nerdy kid at school. I was bullied, and all all of all of the classic classic things. And it's it's like, well, yeah, the the, the bookish kids are the ones who need the escape in books more than anyone else. Yes, and you know, there's there's so much blandness out there, and I know that the and it. I think anything that gets kids reading gets kids. Hmm you know, in, in, you know, enjoying books and fostering that love of books, it has to be a good thing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic that you're sort of adding to that canon of, of yeah. things that's available.
1: Thank you. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing what I can. I mean, it, I, as you were saying that, I, I was thinking, of course, of, um, of, um, Harry Potter, mm-hmm. which, uh, when I hit my teenage years, uh, everybody was going on about how it was making kids fall in love with books again. And it really did. You know, like that, that's incredible. incredible yeah. what, what it did. But I realized, um, I realized like how annoying I would have been to market to as a child, because I remember when I've seen, I, I, I read one of them, but, um, when I saw all that, I ended up yeah seeing all the Harry Potter films. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go to the Quidditch matches and they're excited by things like the World Cup, right? Yeah, that is absolutely my idea of hell. Yes. Um, in, in, <laughs> the the idea of going or or like it like a family being excited by the concept of organised sport, right? Or organised sport that has anything to do with the school. That love was so totally beaten out of me by school, right? That mm-hmm. I I I would genuinely, it's like if I if I were reading that book, right, I could absolutely see myself being one of the Ravenclaw kids who just didn't go. Yes, you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, it's it's it, 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 that's really funny because I my parents are both well, my mum especially really loves her football, mm. and my dad enjoys sport, and you could not pay me to watch football i i quite enjoy rugby and but yeah no i, I you football to me is just uh and yeah. and i the the, the the people who go to football matches the the rowdiness and like the crowds just make me i do not like sort of like that that sort of like that danger that sort of like lurks in like football fans and cra- those sorts of crowds just really makes me uncomfortable. So it's like, yeah, they. I'm regularly sort of like they are so. How are you, our daughter? You're not sporty. You don't enjoy. It. I'm like, well, you know, I I like books. So there we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: with you. I mean, I like I yeah, I I like books, but I'm I I also like I'm I'm, I'm thinking about what you're saying. It's like I'll go for a group activity. Like that's that's fine with me. Like, I like a mosh pit.
0: Yes. You know, I'm
1: down for a mosh pit, but I'm down for a mosh pit where there are consistent rules. Yes. And when somebody steps outside of that, you can do stuff to them. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Like, that's something like that. I I don't know. It's it's that moment of going, yeah, I like fun, but I like fun where order can be imposed, which I think says everything about what I do for a job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, the questions that I, I sort of yes. ask everybody, what have you been reading? Uh, well... If you have been reading?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I've been... Um, I look over and over again, probably a couple of times a day, I'll have a look at um, just any any fraction of um, Steve Eilert's book, Lint, um, which I find one of the funniest books ever written. Um because it's the the false biography of a um a non-existent pulp author.
0: Right. And
1: I, I find that just screamingly amusing. Um one of the joys of my life is that when I first moved to the UK I lived in Brighton and it turned out Steve Ailett was from there.
0: Right so that was
1: a, that was nothing but a thrill. I've been um yeah reading that. I've been um thumbing through my copy of The Penguin John Glasham um which is this series of um, really dour um, but, to me, very, very funny um, cartoons that were right. put together in the 60s by the Scottish cartoonist John Glashan, who used to work for Private Eye. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I mean, they're hugely variable in quality, but um, the one that I like is the, um, it's, a, it's a man and a woman sitting at a table and she says, I have a diploma in forced smiling. And he says, well, for God's sake, give me a forced smile and that just <laughs> that tickles me unbelievably yeah yeah um, there's, there's another one i mean i i hate uh no, no one seems to like this as much as much as i do um it's a man in a london bed and glashen draws these superb <laughs> london bed sits very sad and this guy is praying and he says to god you know look um if you exist, give me a, give me a million pounds. and um, that's it. He, um, and he wakes up the next morning and there's no money under his pillow, and God says, um, "I exist." And the guy says, "Well, where's my money?" And then in the next um, in the next frame, which takes up a full page, the bedsit is now done like a cathedral and there's this bolt of lightning just incinerating the man and the caption and god just says no money only lightning (laughs) i love (laughs) no money only lightning that's great yeah it really really turns me on um it's that was a i found that book in my um my grandparents house um, when i was a boy and um that and um, Eye of the Needle, which are both great John Clashan collections. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, now a, a very dear friend of mine um, spent a lot of time and money um, last year or the year before trying to get me copies. I really appreciated. Oh,
0: Oh, that, that's really nice. Yeah. So, um, so that's what you've been reading. Uh, what have you been listening to?
1: a lot i um i finally finally bit the bullet and got myself a spotify subscription mm-hmm. Um, and i've been listening to a lot of music that'll really get you down the road um so things like the australian band regurgitator um they've got a song called kung fu sing which is about fortune cookies but um if you listen to it and you're well let, let's put it this way and you you wish to get down the road and feel remarkably like people should get out of your fucking way. Um <laughs> Kung Fu Sing will really help. Um Nick Cave Stagger Lee. I've listened to that on repeat.
0: Oh, um, I love the murder ballads.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely terrific. I've I've listened to a lot of grief music. Mm-hmm. Um like I when I when I feel appallingly bad, I'll listen to um his acoustic version of the mercy seat because when we get to the um the bad seats harmonizing on an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, I tend to loop that one around a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Um but in a quest to not because because unfortunately because I've I've busted that song out before um in moments of great trauma um so it can it can actually take me back there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I in a quest to Again, just just walk down the street and feel good. I've um, been listening a lot to uh, the Talking Heads' um, "Psycho Killer" um, from the "Stop Making Sense" album. Yeah, uh, the live version. Hi, I've got a tape I want to play. You, is great. Um, that you know, very 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 nice because it, it's just jaunty and fun. And yeah. I listen to that about. Yeah, i I've, I've, I've been telling people lately. I'm just sort of like this is stuff that I would have done if I hadn't been cracking up, you know, so like, so if I get hit by a bus or something, can, you know, can we all just not make a big deal out of the fact that I'd listen to Psycho Killer 16 times in a row? (laughs) Yeah, because I I would have done that anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm temporarily, temporarily over um, one of my personal favourites, Warren Zevon, because unfortunately I now relate to him a bit. It's Quite annoying,
0: okay. um,
1: well, yeah. Well, he is this, um, very, very oh, sorry, give, give me a second. I pulled my headphones out, um, yeah. He and a very, an intermittently interesting, um, very emotionally compromised, sad little nerd. This guy, mm-hmm. um. With a whole bunch of problems. I I, re- I used to really like him, and then I read um his ex-wife's memoir of him, and now and then I just there was a lot of punching, you know, really mm. unnecessary, just violence. Um, but he'd clearly, you know, he, there's no excuse for it. He he'd been emotionally and physically abused as a child, and and all of this, and just hadn't sought the correct treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It, and and the thing is, I, I like his work a lot, but he could also have accomplished it um, just by being a bit creative. You know, like, he gets compared to Randy Newman, and as far as I can tell, Randy Newman, uh, you know, can write songs in which, you know, truly awful people are truly awful and it's very interesting, but he managed mm-hmm. to do all of that without hitting his wife. Um, yeah. But my thing with Warren Zevon is that in his late career, before he... um got cancer and started writing about that he busted out an album called life will kill you and that's very much a man in his 50s uh who has gone through like he, he was clean by that point you know yeah so he'd gone through a lot of a lot of bad behavior and had have written a lot of really sort of wry interesting little songs um which i always thought were just a bit novel you know, because yeah. they, they just say, you know, but now I'm, you know, I'm in my mid-30s and um, I hurt a great deal mm-hmm. and I'm listening to these songs and going, oh, Jesus, you know, oh. And there's one called Don't Let Us Get Sick, um, which is a beautiful song and, and it can be, yeah, when you're, when you're happy and if you're happy with other people and you're happy being with those people, uh, it's a real prayer, that song. You yeah, it's it's you wishing that you, none of you will get sick or get old or get stupid, right? That's the that's the refrain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course, you know if that ends, then um, yeah, you can go. Oh, we did. <laughs> oh, that's no fun. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it, then there, you go. That element of it's like almost like not meeting your heroes because yes. invariably they disappoint. <laughs>
1: that's right. And there's also a, there's also the song um yeah on there called My Shit's Fucked Up, which is very funny. <laughs> uh, it, it's a really great... I went to the doctor. I said, I'm feeling kind of rough. Let me break it to you, son. Your shit's fucked up. <laughs> I said, my shit's fucked up. Well, I don't see how. He said, the shit that used to work won't work now. You know, like that's... <laughs> That's a lot of fun. That song. I might yeah. might listen to that one again. That was pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, the rest of it, the rest of it, because I'm feeling pretty low, mm-hmm. and my brain, um, my brain will overreach and okay. go, oh, that that's that's appropriate, or that means something. You know, like okay, so yeah. um, you know, lyrical and interesting. Rye singer songwriters have to temporarily, um, you know. step off and and be replaced by people like david byrne who just sort of put together really nice lyrical montages that don't have to mean a great deal you know i have no idea what burning down the house is about i like it though it's really good i think the house is on fire you know yeah it's
0: fun Uh, yeah yeah and and so it's one of those things because i i also use music as like a mood lifter Mm. and it it's one of those things that if you know that if I have like a playlist of when I need to mope, and then I can like switch it up and then stick on and like erasure I like and <laughs> because yeah, so there isn't you know like a little respect, stuff like that you just mm. have that it's 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 quite freeing yeah, and it it's sort of like an in in effect and i really i it's like I don't know i'm this is probably gonna sound very very weird, but it's like having mu- music that is really like a full not quite orchestral sound but just like a, a wall of i don't want to say wall of noise because like it's creepy but um yeah the sort of having that quite a, you know a lot going on musically yes. and then it being upbeat is is mm. re- is something that's like really helpful and yeah yeah it yeah.
1: yeah no I, I totally understand that I, I totally get that yeah that that stuff can yeah it can absolutely drive you forward mm, yeah that's uh, oh, terrific uh, conversely, um, I, I will just say that the, probably the thing that's gotten me that I've been listening to most lately, yeah. and this, this speaks to my, um, at, at the same time, my idiosyncrasies, but also the fact that uh, I'm a deeply basic bitch, I've um, <laughs> been listening to uh, a lot of They Might Be Giants, but specifically a best of uh, yeah. from 2014, uh, Idlewild, because there's just this run of songs that just really boy, oh, you can get you can get a lot of stuff done yeah um the song you're on fire is really good and then um some there's a song called damn good times you mm-hmm. know and and all of all of this is there is their usual upbeat poppy yeah you know if you listen to the to some of the lyrics too closely you'll go oh dear they're actually very upset but um no there's some terrific stuff the song we live in a dump is yeah. great and uh and there's a song um, I, I didn't I didn't expect I because I knew that um, I'd encountered Johnny Be Good and, and Be Good Johnny and and the birds quite upsetting a song Old John Robertson, um, so I thought I'd just about gotten through every song that had my name in it, <laughs> and then it turned out that um, they might be giants over a song called Can't Keep Johnny Down, right. which is really yeah really fun. It's it's just good. Oh yeah, it's something like oh, odds are a million to one. All the dicks in this dick town can't keep Johnny down. You know. Oh
0: yeah.
1: Oh, it's great. It's it's one of those nice things.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, if you if you do have a really boring generic white guy name, it's it's a mm-hmm. bit lucky that you know people tend to write songs about you that are quite motivational.
0: Yeah. Oh, that. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that's no, good. That,
0: that's cool. That's that's cute. your own personal playlist there.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't pop those together. And uh, yeah, seriously, the birds, old John Robertson, is a real pain in the ass. That song, right. um, yeah. it Turned out that I think, can't remember which member of the band it was, um, had lived in a town where this old film director called John Robertson had lived. And um, the opening, the, I remember listening to it twice, and I knew I didn't have to listen to it again because um, the the opening goes, old John Robertson, he wore a Stetson hat. All the children laughed at him behind his back, walking slow with old Joe, his crippled wife, by his side. Then she sighed. Then she died. Now, my wife's name is Joe, and she had been in a massive car accident. Oh God. God. <laughs> so, and whilst I do not own a Stetson, mm-hmm. I have been laughed at by children in my time. It was all a bit much. All a bit much,
0: <laughs> a yeah, bit much no. in one go. Yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that.
1: Yeah, that moment of going, yeah. Somehow or another, in 1972, they really nailed us. Somehow.
0: <laughs> oh, that—that that is, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. We'll not listen to that one again. No, we won't. So, um, that's what you've been listening to. Uh, yep. What have you been watching?
1: Oh, a lot of things. A lot of really disposable, in, uh, disposable income. Uh, yeah, disposable entertainment. Um. I've just finished season nine of Archer, uh, which um, (laughs) while I've been, well, let's put it this way, whilst I've I've been meant to be practising mindfulness, um, Archer is an absolute antidote to that uh, because (laughs) there's no point paying attention to it anymore. There's no no need. It's the same each time. It doesn't matter. It's the same with Bob's Burgers, a show that I love. Yes. But. I, I had a theory that I would um I would be feeling better. I would have gotten through my, my trauma by the time I finished Bob's Burgers because it it's the show that I used to think of as a bit of a treat because it was only on TV occasionally.
0: Yeah. And
1: then I would find it on planes and I'd go, Oh great, you get two episodes of that. But it turns out about seven and a half series in, right, uh, you 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 will abandon it. Um I'm not saying that I'm holding off that last season and a half, you know because I'm a bit yeah. worried that if I finish it and I'm not happy at the end, then you know somehow I am wrong and my totemizing has been incorrect because uh, I know <laughs> it is uh no, it's just that i've I've reached the point with that show where I know the rhythms of it, yeah, and I know and I've just reached that point where I'm like, it just sounds funny. You know, like yeah, ah, the, oh, the character Gene is now saying something slightly too loudly. Yes, yes, <laughs> Ha-ha! you know, the only yeah, the only I like, lo- I still like it very much. But the only respite for me in that show is um, that moment where you go, oh, Kevin Klein's here, Kevin yeah. Klein's character's here, yeah, and he sounds like Kevin Klein. Oh, good, you know. So yeah, yeah. I, it
0: it's sometimes shows do go on too long, and yes. there's. Yeah, it, it's sort of like, I, I, I like the polished gem of something that is beautiful and stunning and mm. doesn't go on too long.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I feel that, I feel that. And, but then I'm aware that I have uh, also spoken for nearly an hour. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, uh,
0: that's fine. I have a couple more questions. Oh, great, okay. So the, the next question is, and this is probably going to spiral because... I know that everything you, else
1: did. Everything
0: else did, yeah, to some very bad f- f- places. Um, but uh, what have you been playing? Um,
1: at the moment, nothing. I, um, my, no, my yen for video games has really just um, yes, vanished. Um, yeah. But I did, I, ha- I did have a go a few weeks ago with a mate. I did play both Untitled Goose Game, which is nothing. I love but, Untitled Goose Game. Oh, everyone <laughs> loves Untitled Goose Game. And I played um, a fair few rounds of um, the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary right. Edition, which was which was really really fantastic. Um, you know, as as you'd expect. Fortunately, yeah. Um, yeah and, and, and both of those both of those were good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Untitled Goose Games are real. That's that's amazing. It's, I, it's
0: uh, a gem, yeah. isn't it? <laughs>
1: oh, so good. There's no, I mean, it, unparalleled in its success. So good.
0: <laughs> and I know you're a bit of a board gamer as well. So do yeah. you have any faves that you like to play?
1: Yes, I do. I, um, I particularly enjoy um, Dice Hospital. That is a fantastic yeah. game. Oh, those guys. They, um, I was lucky at this year's UK Games Expo, I got the last copy that was on site of Dice what? Hospital.
0: Oh wow! Well done. Uh, well, they
1: gave, well, they gave it to me. They were very nice. Uh,
0: so you see, it has you have some perks to being you.
1: Well, well, also, I mean, I'd just given them their award, and then I sort of made a great show of wishing to steal the game, and they, um, well, yeah, they, like, uh, oh,
0: go on then. We'll well, they, go. Yeah,
1: they they sort of <laughs> thought that was a bit charming, which I I was I was happy with. <laughs> they either thought it was charming or at least awkward enough to be rewarded. Yeah. Um uh, Yeah, but I was very pleased, and that's just such a. Um, such a fantastic game i um, i get some people around actually to have a go i yeah I, I just really like it and i re you know there are there are lots of other games in the house that are good um the been a while now but if you're on a train and you get that <laughs> table um you know there's nothing quite like um both flux any version of flux oh
0: uh, i love flux that'll yeah.
1: really pass the time and um the, oddly, oddly enough, there's a Game of Thrones card game, which I really enjoy, yeah. um, which I can't quite remember the name of, but um, it, it's just essentially you're making a pyramid and it's just colour matching. But for all of that, it is absolutely bloody superb. Okay. And, um, and, I, and I, feel, I feel compelled. Um, a friend of mine in Thailand, Fabian Wiener, lovely bloke, um, he has a card game that he's made called Yud. Uh, which is tie for stop and it's an adaptation of Polish poker and I used to have about I had about twenty copies of that and I Mm -hmm. used to um give them out as darkroom prizes or give them out to friends and it was that's that's a really fun game. That's just another good card game.
0: Yeah. Cool. And my final question for today is what do you think needs more love? Oh this normally does stump people a little bit. Yes,
1: that is hard. Um, well, well, lately, um, okay. What I find, what I find need, needs more love is, um, yeah. Uh, it's it's one of it's just one of those things. It's yeah. Look. If you don't realise, um, well, let, let, let's put it this way. Everyone needs more love. Like that's the answer. Yeah. Right? That's the short answer. The long answer is if you don't realise the parts of your, like if you think that you're happy in yourself, right, and you feel comfortable and, and all of this, do, you know, do look around because there is, there is the slightest chance, right, and when I say look around, I don't mean look for other sources of happiness. I mean just look at the things that are in your life and ask yourself the question, are they are you happy in yourself? Are you happy with yourself? Or are these things propping you up? Because if they vanish or something goes wrong, where are you left? You know?
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. this is this is what's happened with me. And then you know you just you just go down and then it's one of the the thing from there is so you need to love yourself more but you also then in an when people make a real effort to be happy um they might do a thing and and when i say be happy i mean if they feel like they're not going to be happy i know people who and i've done it countless times you behave in a highly selfish, destructive fashion. You know, like you just throw yourself at things that you think will make you happy, and to hell with the consequences, right? Yeah. And that's a real fucking fool's errand.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, uh, it really because it ends up just. I mean, and and this is you know, just on on every level, it just fucks up everybody. You know, it just like everyone who's close to you or whatever. Just it's, it's, there's a ripple effect to this, and it just ends up being a real bloody disaster, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that's it. And it's it's just that moment if you're like that kind of frantic, manic. No, I I must be happy. I'm going to do this right, or you know, and and also also just that in in any direction. You know, because I've just, you know, I've self-destructed fairly recently mm-hmm. and the, you know, and that, that came out of a great desire for everything that was going on to stop and the effects of that are fucking awful, you know. It's yeah. it's that moment of going, look, I was just, you know, like I've said it to people and I'm like, I was trying to destroy myself, right? It didn't occur to me anyone would be upset, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's one of those things. It's like what a fucking thoughtless, you know. And that's hard to live with. That's really difficult. You know, you then Mm -hmm. have to, yeah, there's just a lot on. It's, it's that thing of, if you blindly seek anything, right, don't be astonished when you trip, trip over something or crush somebody or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, that it's like, it's like you need love but love is an ongoing thing that you have to give to yourself and you have to give it to yourself over the course of years and you have to yes. learn how to do that. Yeah. And you also have to give other people love and that is something that can be done in a whole variety of ways, you know. But it Absolutely. is just one of those things where, yeah, if when push comes to shove, you know, oh, Jesus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's put it this way. I don't know anyone who's behaved well when they break down. but it's a real pain in the ass for everyone
0: (laughs) yeah oh Oh, thank you so much for today i mean you've just been so candid and open and i really appreciate that and um thank you very much
1: thank you that was a joy